Good morning, Colorado. You're listening to The Daily Sunup. The Daily Sunup podcast is a conversation with the Colorado Sun. See our trust indicators at coloradosun.com slash ethics. It's Monday, January 22nd. Today, Sun Outdoors reporter Jason Blevins has insight on state-level conversations on managing the millions of visitors to the Pikes Peak region and how it is a microcosm of what's going on in Colorado. Before we begin, a special thank you to all our Colorado Sun members listening. It's thanks to you that The Sun continues to bring trustworthy, independent journalism to readers and listeners across our state. If you're not yet a member and want to join us, visit coloradosun.com join to sign up. While you're there, check out our member e-newsletters like Colorado Sunday, The Temperature, and more. Together, we'll keep Colorado informed in 2024. Now, let's go back in time with some Colorado history. On this date, in 1935, the U.S. Senate unanimously confirmed Josephine Roche as Assistant Secretary of the Treasury, recognizing her distinguished service in Washington, D.C. and Colorado. Born in Nebraska, Roche, a Vassar and Columbia graduate, was deeply influenced by progressive-era ideals. In 1912, she became Colorado's first female law enforcement officer, championing the rights of children, immigrants, and labor unions. Mentored by progressive leaders, she inherited her father's Rocky Mountain Fuel Company in 1927. Following a deadly strike at RMFC, she improved wages and conditions, earning worker loyalty. Despite facing opposition, she ran for governor in 1934, but lost. President Roosevelt later appointed her to the Treasury. After two years, Roche returned to her family's company and continued advocating for workers' rights, embodying a lifelong commitment to fairness and equality. Before we continue, did you know the Colorado Sun has a mobile app so you can read the news from anywhere, whether you're on the couch, taking the bus to work, or in the car on the way to the mountains? Visit coloradosun.com app to download today. Next, our feature story. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. I'm David Krause, one of the editors here at the Colorado Sun, and I'm happy to be joined for another Monday podcast session with our Sun Outdoors reporter, Jason Blevins. Hey there, Jason. Yeah, DK. Hey, JB, let's talk about a story you had last week, a little exclusive, as it were. There could be a shift. There's uh, conversations going on um, about how visitors to the Pikes Peak region are being managed. Jason, can you kind of walk us through what's going on down there by America's Mountain? Sure. Pikes Peak, 14er there just outside of uh, Colorado Springs, towering over Colorado Springs, gets about 24 million annual visitors to that region, three-county region there. Um, And there's been this intensive study on how to best manage that surge in recreation. Everything's really peaked since the pandemic, as it has across Colorado. And the most viable option that has emerged after several years of study is Colorado Parks and Wildlife may be tapping some of that cheap Colorado Wild Pass sales revenue and seeing if they could step in and manage recreation around that peak. It's a complex overlay of land managers. You got Forest Service out there. You got City of Colorado Springs pretty much controlling that whole peak with its new Summit House and Broadmoor Hotels involved there with the train. Manitou Springs, really diverse sort of look at mountain with, you know, urban pressures on one side and rural on the other. Um, And then you got utilities that kind of guards a giant swath of that north slope that 
make sure that they can protect their water sources for the city over there. And the idea is that maybe Colorado Parks and Wildlife can, since they already control a lot of the wildlife uh, on, on that whole peak, maybe they would be best at managing the recreation, managing the people, and maybe freeing up those other agencies to kind of do what they are really good at. And it's a it's it jibes with the Colorado Parks and Wildlife kind of overarching mission in the past, you know, four or five years to to really expand its parks program and grow parks. As you know, we got Sweetwater coming online, Fisher's Peak, um, and really it it's it's a pretty innovative and interesting concept out there and they're uh it's something that you know would really be a crown jewel in the cpw um stable for sure but jason you had a line in there i thought it was interesting and a, a kind of a conversation cpw gets involved but maybe don't call it a state park why what's that <laughs> theory or thinking yeah so uh, they're very careful to not say pike speak state park um, very careful. They don't like that at all. Um, they, they say, you know, I, I spoke with Frank McGee. He's the, uh, sort of regional manager for that Southeast quadrant of Colorado Parks and Wildlife. And, you know, he says that, that one of the things that CPW has kind of found out is that state park is a quote charge term and potentially carries some baggage, which is saying it nicely. Um, Colorado Parks and Wildlife has run into some pretty stiff opposition in Sweetwater Lake, where they came out with a big, bold announcement that Sweetwater Lake was going to be the state's 43rd state park. Um, and that really riled the community out there, really small, remote um, community, one road in, one road out. And there's a lot of concern that they're going to build a you know giant state park with a bunch of visitation and RVs and who knows what. Um that is under NEPA review, National Environmental Policy Act review right now. Um, Forest Service is a partner in that as well. But I think one of the lessons that CPW has learned is like, let's kind of just take a more, uh, you know, slow, methodical approach to this. And like I said earlier, there's been three years of a re review of this um, management of what's going on there at Pike Speak. So the idea is that maybe they can create who knows what it might be but they're very careful not to come out of the gates and say pike's feet state park the state 44th state park they're not doing that at all um very clearly wanting to um you know gather around all the different interests in that in that area and again the city of Colorado springs owns you know giant structure 66 million dollars summit house on top of that 14er drive up there's cog railway to the top of that thing so it's a, it's a complex management structure, but it's one that maybe the CPW is best to handle. That's what they're hoping, at least. You talk about all the different groups involved. Uh, where is the Forest Service on all of this conversation and possible change moving forward? Yeah, the Pikes, Pike National Forest is obviously sprawling all over that peak, and they have they've spent, you know, decades, if not close to a century, building partnerships and different, uh, you know, sort of relationships. They they work very closely with City of Colorado Springs. Um, you know, the America's Mountain is the name of this giant cooperative um, effort that sort of governs traffic up there. Um, the Broadmoor Hotel has a number of interests right there. There is, you know, Cheyenne 
Mountain State Park is right there. That's uh, um, that's a big part of um, you know the Forest Service partnership as well. And and there's something like eleven tribes that obviously consider Pikes Peak a sacred play, space known as uh, Tabakavi Sun Mountain, sort of a, a very you know important role in their ancestral history for many of those plains and mountain tribes. So Forest Service wants to make sure that whatever's going on is kind of respecting those longstanding partnerships. Um, you know, they're not saying they don't want CPW in there. Um, you know, you have to look at Sweetwater and say, hey, you know, White River National Forest invited Colorado State Parks in there because Colorado State Parks is really one of the only agencies in the game right now that has a, a pretty robust coffer of revenue to spend on this sort of thing. Everybody else is kind of lean and mean with tight budgets, whereas um, Colorado Parks and Wildlife is looking at, you know, 40, 50, who knows, larger million um, dollar pile of money coming from this Keep Colorado Wild Pass, which is part of every vehicle registration in Colorado. Jason, what other, is there a parallel um, collaboration that they can kind of hold a mirror up to for this one? Yeah, I mean, if you, everybody, I'm sure, has been to the Arkansas River. Um, that is a very complex overlay of different management, land managers right there. Obviously, from Leadville down to Pueblo, you've got um, BLM land, you've got Forest Service land, you have a national monument, you have a railroad, you have, um, you know, Buena Vista, Salida, Canyon City, all these different communities um, that are sort of rely on that river very important and the arkansas headwaters recreation area is a major part of that um sort of mix and that they are the manager of all the recreation there to get you know the most heavily commercially trafficked um rafted river in the country um you know hundreds of thousands i think three hundred thousand um visitors commercial visitors go down there a year 1.45 million you live right there on the banks of the Arkansas River, obviously a very important thing, and it's very impressive how well CPW's Arkansas Headwaters Recreation Area manages all those different forces and all those different things. It's sort of a glowing example of what could be done there. And so when you when the Outdoor Pikes Peak Initiative, which is the name of the group that's sort of pushing this, when they point to anything, they say the Arkansas Headwaters um, is really the uh, the shining example of what could be done. So could we have a Pikes Peak Recreation Area that, um, you know, sort of corrals all these interests and could um, has CPW managing, say, trailheads, trails, vault toilets, those sort of things that are all around that. And this is all stemming from, you know, folks in that community kind of saying, wow, um, we're really feeling the pressure of this growth, you know, this surge in recreation. And we're, we're worried that natural resources and the actual appeal and beauty of Pikes Peak could be, um, you know, injured with all this um, traffic. You know, that makes me think of a line that you have in the story about, um, I think you say, you know, this peak is a microcosm of, of what's going on in Colorado. Can you kind of expand on what you mean by that? Yeah, so, you you know, you look over on the west side of that mountain and you got, you know, communities like Victor, um, you know, Cripple Creek. And they're 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 wondering how they can maybe better em- 
incorporate recreation into their, you know, economic system. You know, could they have more trails? Could they have trailheads? How about a campsite? How about things like that? You know, ways to draw more people into town, maybe who aren't just, uh, you know, gamblers. So there's, you know, you have that sort of perspective right there. On the other side, you got the front range. Most populated county in Colorado is El Paso County. Lots of pressure on those parks on the eastern front of Pikes Peak on the eastern flanks of that massive. Um, you know, so there's a lot of diverse kind of interest, diverse economic interest. You know, Colorado Springs is saying, hey, oh my gosh, how can we better mitigate the impacts of this swarm of recreation? And, you know, 20 miles away over the top of that peak, our community is saying, how can we get more people to come visit and recreate? Um, in many ways, that is a, you know, sort of a microcosm of what's going on in Colorado. There are communities that wish they had more traffic. There are communities that wish they could mitigate and ma better manage some of the traffic they have. And what we have from a statewide perspective, 30,000 feet up, is managers saying, well, how can we best, you know, help and disperse these crowds? Like, hey, you know, San Luis Valley, would you like, you know, busy Saturdays and maybe we could alleviate some Breckenridge pressure sort of thing? So, you know, the way I see it is that there's this, you know, swirling pressure for recreation and we've seen it, you know, with tourism, we're seeing it with recreation. It's, it's in some communities, it's about management and others, it's about marketing. So how can, how can CPW maybe step in and help as a sort of conductor and orchestrate all these different pressures and sort of ease it and while protecting habitat and, and natural resources? All right. Well, let's, let's finish it up here. You know, I always like to do these when we can kind of spin things forward. You mentioned 24 million visitors spent almost $3 billion. Um, what's next, Jason, in this whole Pikes Peak planning uh, process? Um, well, you know, we're going to sort of see where this all ends up. They're going to have some public meetings. Um, what's, I think it's most interesting is this, the statewide outdoor regional partnership initiative, which is something uh, Governor Polis has has promoted, and the Pikes Peak Group was the first to receive a grant from this statewide initiative. So the, this what's unfolding on Pikes Peak is sort of unfolding everywhere. Um, there's 18 different regions that have these um, grants from this outdoor regional partnerships initiative, which can help uh, you know communities better plan to protect resources while you know managing recreation and i think whatever happens at pikes peak it will become a model for the rest of the state and we're going to start to see more communities coming together with these sort of really diverse stakeholders economically focused um conservation minded efforts to to you know protect what keeps the place special while you know accommodating managing and mitigating growth it's going to be um pretty interesting to watch how other communities sort of follow this model jason always good stuff always uh enjoy listening to the inside perspective on these stories that you write uh if you have not read the story yet i encourage you to go to coloradosun.com and click on that outdoors tab at the top of the home page you can also sign up for jason's weekly outsider newsletter it comes out every thursday you can do that at coloradosun.com slash outsider and I want to remind our listeners that the Colorado Sun is a member of the Trust Project. You can see our commitment to trusted journalism at coloradosun.com slash ethics. Jason Blevins, have a great week, buddy. Yeah, DK, thank you.
Finally, here are a few stories that you should know about today. The family who has been running the Chico Basin Ranch on land leased from the Colorado Land Board is looking for a new home. The Phillips family had a 25-year lease on the land southeast of Colorado Springs, and in that time turned it into more than a ranch, with birders coming out with the binoculars and schoolchildren visiting on field trips. Now, the state board has voted to lease the land to another nearby ranching family, and the Phillipses are looking for thousands of acres for their 1,500 cattle. Check out more in this week's Colorado Sunday feature. Colorado state budget writers are scrambling to spend $1.5 billion in federal pandemic aid before the end of this year. That's after the U.S. Treasury Department issued new guidance with a deadline two years earlier than state officials had expected. Federal law has long required American Rescue Plan Act recipients to obligate, a term not used in Colorado law, all of their funding by the end of 2024, but the final spending deadline is not until the end of 2026. That led state officials to incorrectly assume they could spend their $3.8 billion allocation through 2026. The top Republican in the Colorado House of Representatives is seen on police video asking a state trooper not to disclose his arrest on suspicion of driving under the influence to the media. As House Minority Leader Mike Lynch was sitting in the back of a police vehicle in September 2022, he asked the trooper, quote, If there's anything we can do to keep the press out of this, that would be great, end quote. The State Patrol released the footage Friday to the Colorado Sun in response to an open records request. The agency initially said the video wouldn't be available for many months. For more information on all of these stories, visit our website, coloradosun.com. And don't forget to tune in again next time. Now, a quick message from our team. I'm Laura Wynott, Director of Membership at the Colorado Sun. I came to work at the Sun because quality, trustworthy journalism is important. As a reader and listener, I find the Sun to be a breath of fresh air. The journalists tell Colorado stories that keep me informed, entertained, and engaged. If you also trust the Sun for your news, join me as a member at coloradosun.com join. Your support helps to bring you and other Coloradans the news you deserve. We couldn't do it without you. Thank you.